0: Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Scott Ben. And I'm Ben Boland. Ben, we've got a topic that is really, if you want to get really technical about it, it's part two.
3: Yeah, yeah. This is a listener suggestion from uh, one of our frequent writers, right?
2: Yeah, Robert S., which we talked about in the Legends Cars podcast. And I didn't misspeak there. It is Legends Cars. Yep. And uh, Robert suggested in that podcast we talk about dwarf cars. And my assumption is that... Today's topic is where he was really going with this thing. I think he really wanted to hear about dwarf car cruisers instead of dwarf car racing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we covered dwarf car racing in the first episode uh, months ago. It was, seems like it was a long time ago now. Yeah. And now we're going to kind of make good on the on the whole promise to Robert S uh, to cover dwarf cars by covering dwarf car cruisers, which I think everybody's going to find interesting because. These things are fascinating, Ben.
3: Yeah, and I i wonder if we have any listeners who haven't heard about this before. If you haven't, you are in for a treat, ladies and gentlemen, especially if you're a fan of classic cars uh the same way that Scott and I are. You know, we're both fans of these. So. Fans
2: of these, fans of classic cars in general, mm-hmm. fans of everything about dwarf cars, racing, all that. It all comes into one story here with... The dwarf car cruisers and it has a lot to do with a guy named Ernie Adams that we're going to talk about. And of course it has all, all to do with Ernie Adams, really. Yeah. Um, as did dwarf car racing. And, um, I guess we're going to, I guess let's start at the beginning, Ben. How about that? I mean, we don't need to go into a full recap of, you know, the whole dwarf car racing history or anything like that, but Ernie had a a place in dwarf car racing history Mm -hmm. that we do need to cover because he's really the originator of the whole thing.
3: Right, yeah. Ernie and a guy named Darren Schmaltz are the uh, founders, I guess it would be fair to call them, of dwarf car racing, although it wasn't really called a dwarf car um, until the 80s. The first first dwarf car comes along in 1965, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. He built one car that was kind of an oddball car. In that you know there were decades between when the first one was produced and the second one was produced. So mm-hmm. I tell you what, let's just kind of go through Ernie Adams. Uh, and I know this sounds like history, but it's going to go quick, okay? It's yeah. Ernie. I'm going to say Ernie Adams' life, but but really we're just breaking it down into a way that I saw it laid out on his website, which is uh, I think there's one called Dwarf Car Promotions, mm-hmm. and then there's one called Dwarf Car Museum, mm-hmm. and you can find you know those online just a simple keyword search, and you can find all this information there. But I'll I'll kind of lay it out for you quickly. I uh, just kind of cut to the chase on this one, really. All right. Um, so in the early years, Ernie came from a uh, – well, he had a long-time fascination with cars, which started in grade school. And he bur- built his first wooden car, which was really just kind of a crate box with the steering wheel and, you know, um I guess he had peanut butter jar lids for taillights. You know, that <laughs> kind of uh, right. pull push type roadster that um he had his mom dragging him around town in this thing when he was really young in grade school. Mm. And I guess the family, Ben, this is kind of an interesting little side note. The family lived – um, near the junkyard, the town junkyard. Yeah. And they kind of learned that, hey, you know what, some of this stuff isn't all that bad. Let's let's take that and we can, use, we can sell it in a garage sale or whatever, mm. and we can reuse some of it, repurpose it. And Ernie learned these really valuable skills by doing that. And he learned that, you know, I can make something out of nothing, really. Make something out of what other people call trash. I can make something that people really want or what I really want. And, uh, and not only that, they sold things to make... Uh, um, they would, they would like gather things from this junkyard and they would, they would make like, um they would make their own things, they would sell them, they would use it to raise money to create, uh, well not to create, but to, to, uh, get Christmas money for the year. You sure. Um, right. It was a very purposeful, um I don't know how better to say that, Ben. Maybe they were, uh, they were able to take something or take nothing and make something out of it.
3: It was, it it was, um, sort of a side business for them for a while. And I think I'm really glad that you mentioned the stuff about Christmas because it's important to understand that for Ernie and his family, when Ernie was growing up, this was, I'll say maybe this was, 50% fun and a hobby, but it was also a necessity for them economically.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is uh, the Depression era, you know, and there's a a lot of hard times, and the family's growing up, or he's growing up in this family in Harvard, Nebraska, so it's uh, Midwest, America, you know, typical story, I guess. You know, family fell in difficult times. They make do with what they can, and this is something that he was able to do, is, is able to make things out of nothing, really.
3: It's also very important to note, this will come up later in our story, uh this is where ernie first cuts his teeth in fabrication and bending and shaping metal
2: exactly exactly and this kind of led him to let's say we well, let's skip ahead just a little bit okay. so you know he's got all this background right and he creates his first dwarf car which is a uh it was built in 1965 mm-hmm. and i've got some pretty good notes on this one and we won't go into in-depth as as on other cars as we do in this one but okay. his first dwarf car which is kind of a an oddball car because yeah. again it was built in 1965 it was a as a 20, 1928 chevy two-door sedan and mm-hmm. the the term really didn't come until 1980 as you mentioned i think yeah but this uh this car that they call the grandpa dwarf now because it's been renamed the grandpa dwarf because it's the first of course right yeah and yeah, uh
3: patriarch and he worked on this for for years, for about three years, if you start counting from when he began gathering the materials, right? Yeah, exactly. It goes back to, uh, 1962. Mm-hmm. He started pulling stuff. And when we say pulling stuff, you guys, we're literally talking about finding whatever scrap he could.
2: Yeah. And here's just an example of what he used. Now, he used an 18 horsepower Wisconsin engine for Ooh. the, for the motor. Cause you can't, you can't obviously put a 1928 Chevy motor into this. It's a scaled down classic. Uh, it doesn't say exactly what scale. Now, we know that, um, you know, the, uh, the dwarf cars, the, the legends cars, you know, the ones that we see racing, right. those are 5-8 scale replicas of like 30s and 40s cars. But I don't know if this car is specifically 5 eighths or if it's just kind of an eyeballed,
3: scaled down classic version. Right. I do have the specs on the size. Oh, you do? What yeah. It? It's, uh, nine feet long. It's only 53 inches high. It has a 73 inch wheelbase, which, uh, just, just for a spoiler alert there, that's not exactly a standard thing. No, no, no
2: definitely not. And, you know, I started to get into kind of a short list of, of things that he had, uh, you, you had mentioned that he gathered up a lot of oh, materials, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so I yeah. mentioned the, the engine. Mm-hmm. Um, he was using a homemade hacksaw that he had built out of a chair frame. So, so cool. Again, he built his own tools in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. He used a hammer and chisel. Um, he has been, he had an arc welder, which is, uh, probably something he was just learning to use. I mean, early on. Right. And, uh, he used nine refrigerators for the steel. Now he used, you know the doors mainly i believe is what he was he was going after he said Ooh. you know refrigerator doors are kind of his his staple
3: of steel right in in all of his cars all the way through present day because it's a it's a super accessible way well especially you know at that time it mm-hmm. was a lot easier to find just a steel refrigerator that had been discarded and he um funny story this was still a learning experience for him he didn't have the know how to make what are called compound bends, Mm -hmm. which is a a skill you need to have when you're making your own cars. So instead, the story goes, he just used the bends that were already there in the refrigerator pieces. So he would find, I I guess Uh, he would kind of like look for the part of the refrigerator that would fit the car and then cut it. Well,
2: that's probably why it took nine refrigerators to do this, because he needed certain parts for certain things. Mm -hmm. And, And we'll find out that, you know, later... A lot of people describe the original dwarf car, the one that we're talking, the dwarf cruiser, I should say, as in, in quotes, somewhat crude <laughs> in uh, in the way yeah. it appears. Because later, as we get into some of the more of these cruisers, he get he's very very refined and and it becomes very complex in the way that yeah. he builds these things. Yeah. So, you know, this, this original one, again, I'll get off this one pretty soon, but, um, it originally had solid rubber tires mm. because they just weren't available at that, in that size at that time, but later they did change them to 12 inch pneumatic tires, so a little more comfortable ride. Um, he also later added a vinyl top and I think a two cylinder engine, a two cylinder 13 horsepower engine. Yeah, so he s- yeah, he swapped that one out for the, uh, those Wisconsin engine that he had in there prior. Um it had a cloth interior, bucket seats, uh the windows operate, you know so they can roll them up and down. Mm-hmm. Um and it still runs and drives today. It's still kept in in running order in street legal condition. So you can go to Ernie Adams Museum in where's it? Maricopa, mm-hmm. Arizona, I, I believe. Think so, yeah. And uh you can see the the Grandpa dwarf alongside of the other five dwarfs that we're going to talk about.
3: Yeah, now I'll go ahead and tell you they probably won't let you drive it. <laughs> well, you can ask. You might as well ask. Why yeah. not? I mean, he, he
2: may take it out and show you what, it, uh, what it'll what it do, though, because all these things run and drive, and it seems like he often takes them out and, and kind of stretches their legs a little bit, you know? Right. It's, it's bad for these things to sit around and not be driven. Um, so, okay, so in his history, and I, I know we spent a little bit too much time on that one, but... No way. It's That's strange funny. in that, you know, you have to go from the early years to the first dwarf car, then back to dwarf racing, and then back right. to dwarf cruises again. Mm-hmm. So... We're on a dwarf dwarf car and boy it's tough for me to say, Ben, dwarf car racing. Yes. And um the first dwarf race cars appeared in late nineteen seventy-nine, early nineteen eighty. Yep. And the idea came from watching he was I think he was watching a motorcycle sidecar race in, in mm-hmm. Phoenix with a yeah. friend.
3: Yeah, he was watching it with uh Darren Schmaltz, and uh as they were leaving, they started critiquing the race itself and uh Ernie specifically said, Well, these three-wheeled racers are a little too slow in the corners what would happen if we added a fourth wheel i ah, see ben now
2: here's my here's my uh my theory about this whole thing okay. these two guys are sitting around the racetrack watching a motorcycle sidecar race having a couple beers you know mm. maybe a, a corn dog or something like that yeah. or what they call them out there and, and uh on route 66 a cozy dog a cozy dog. having a cozy dog <laughs> and uh and they're just relaxing you know at the on the grandstands and they're kind of just big stuff talking you know Mm -hmm. like i want to make this really cool here's what i would do with this series this is the way i would make these different and Mm -hmm. then they started to kind of put this together like well maybe we could really do this
3: yeah it sounds like a big uh sort of a cocktail napkin type conversation it kind of does but it turned out really well as a lot of times
2: those do and uh and the thought was that the three-wheel race cars or racers rather these uh these uh sidecar motorcycle sidecars were too slow in the corners for them because remember these are the original sidecars they're not the wide. ones that we see now they're exceedingly fast um the real real low wide ones mm-hmm. but he said you know four wheels would be a little better for cornering speed something like that and a car body would add appeal for the crowd so what we're talking about really is small cars
3: yeah and uh i'm, I'm glad you said it that way uh just another detail. I think they talked about the making an oval track because mm-hmm. the sidecar races at that time were not in the oval. Oh, I didn't know that. And okay. they, and so, so this is just a, this is just a insight into how broadly they were speaking because they said, you know, I, I can see it so clearly, Scott. It, it's like if you and I were sitting there watching a race and then you said, well, you know, problem is they got three wheels. And I said, yeah. And the racetrack isn't even oval what the heck man exactly. we could do better than this We need to
2: change this this way and it would yeah. be much better. so let's
3: do it. yeah and, and that's what they did yeah they had a they had a challenge to each other yep. um eventually after their after talking uh, such mess as they would say in some parts of Tennessee uh Schmaltz said, well, you know what Ernie, if you build one of these, then I will build one, too.
2: Mm -hmm. So they did, and in 1979, early 1980, they built a couple of these cars. That were the first two, Mm -hmm. and then by 1983, which is just three years later, it had kind of caught on enough that the county fair was actually sponsoring a a race in Prescott, Arizona, and they had 12 cars registered for the first race, and I guess it was a big success because people – kind of uh, stuck with it. They said, you know, this really works. Let's mm-hmm. hang on to it. And then here's what happened, Ben. Remember, this is where we go back to our other story. Right. And there, this will fill in the gap between the dwarf race cars and the dwarf car cruisers, because this is when uh, the Lowe's Motor Speedway guys got involved. And the Lowe's Motor Speedway guys, the two involved in there, I've got them in my notes here in just a second. I'll find it. Sure. Um, I can, uh, oh, Humpy Wheeler. Yeah. And Elliot Forbes Robinson, right? Mm-hmm. At the Charlotte Motor Speedway. And they decided that they were going to, uh, start up this thing that they didn't know was going to call it the Legends car series yet, but they were going to start up something that was like scaled down cars that were built for people who didn't have a whole lot of money, but wanted to race. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it was kind of an inexpensive way to get into racing. And we've told that whole story about, you know, how they did this, uh, they bought four cars, I think, and they modified them a little bit. Right. You know, added
3: some, uh, added some fenders, mm-hmm. I think. And, and uh, they they wanted to have a fiberglass version too, yeah they, so. they tweaked the original design yeah, just a that's bit good. and made that's it fair.
2: made it work for their own series right mm-hmm. so they uh this whole thing came about and then i think it was around 1992 when the original legends car actually appeared first uh, like april i think of 92 when the first legends car was revealed at the uh, charlotte motor speedway Mm-hmm. Um and I think did that change later to Lowe's Motor Speedway or something like that. I think the name did change. I yeah, believe it right about changed. That. I think I got the that's the order. I think it went from mm-hmm. Charlotte to Lowe's. Um, but then okay, so Ernie in the early 1990s kind of gets out of the whole thing. He says, yep. you know, I'm I'm done building these race cars because you know it's been taken over and someone else is still building the original dwarf race cars, but I think they've moved to. Oh, I want to say it's um, it's somewhere in Arizona.
3: I want to say Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, Sorry, I think I think, it's Fe- I think it's Phoenix because he has quite mm-hmm. a following in Phoenix and Prescott.
2: Okay, so I think they're still building the original dwarf race cars in Phoenix, Arizona. But um, Ernie kind of went out on his own, and he said, "You know what? I'm I'm done with this. I've sold the company or whatever, and I'm I'm ready to move on." And He was probably, I mean, even at that time, getting a little bit old. He's an older guy, right? Um, he he said, "Well, let's what my really what my passion would be. What what I really want to do." is I would like to start building some street-legal classic cars, just scale-down classics, you know, the the, the I mean the ones that you typically think of, you know, the 34 Ford or the 39 Chevy, Chevy or whatever. Yeah. And he's got a, a whole list of cars here that we'll talk about. But
3: um, he started building these dwarf car cruisers that he called his masterpieces. Ah, yes, and he's not calling them that sarcastically. Uh, before we go on, I have to ask you, because we're going to start talking a lot about what these cars look like. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice too, because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource, and paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian.
4: Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you will always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading up, down, or steady. It can even alert you before you go too low or when you're too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see, like more time and range and lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com.
3: Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the g Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. We're going back to Ernie Adams' decision to uh, get out of dwarf car racing and go just to building his masterpieces. Earlier, Scott, before the break, we mentioned that he had this list sort of of dream cars. And the first car that he goes to... Um, after his racing t- days, uh, is a 39 Chevy Saturday Night Cruiser. Yeah,
2: he's got a 39 Chevy sedan. I hadn't heard the term Saturday Night Cruiser. That's cool, mm-hmm. Ben. But um, now, the, the funny thing about this is that now, and understandably why he would go to this one, mm-hmm. he also own, owns a full-size 39 Chevy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's why he did this one. He said, well, I like that one so much, I'm going to mimic it for one of my one of my masterpieces here, which mm-hmm. is what he first calls these. Um, so it's really his second dwarf car cruiser, but his first masterpiece. Right. And he'll build many, many more after this. So, um, not many, many, but a few more after this. Sure. Um, all by
3: hand too. Yeah,
2: exactly. All by hand. And, um, it took him two and a half years to complete the 39 Chevy sedan. So you can see these are, these are lengthy projects. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. him working every single day in his barn. Mm -hmm. I mean, he builds everything and when we say everything i mean he builds the spokes and the wheels he builds mm-hmm. the wheels themselves of course he and builds he,
3: he the steering wheel yeah and he doesn't have a bunch of uh space age tools either no. his only fabrication tools are what a torch and he had a welder a wire feed welder yeah
2: exactly and and he builds i mean you can watch the build process in a couple of different videos here and there oh speaking of that can i just mention this right now yeah as we go down this list of uh four or five vehicles here um I have posted something at the car stuff show um, website. Blog, blog site I guess. Yeah. see the website and uh, it's a blog post and there's a couple of videos of Ernie and of his cars and uh, I think it was Vimeo that did a couple of little videos and there's a YouTube video oh yeah yeah, yeah. and it just kind of teases uh, you know a potential possible coming um like a full presentation that they're gonna do about Ernie Adams mm-hmm. and I kind of poked around for that and I couldn't find that version, but what I did find was that There's a few different CDs on on Ernie's site that shows how he builds these things, Mm -hmm. and you can't watch them for free. You have to you have to pay because these are you know CDs will be sent to you. And they're full length. Uh, Yeah, they're full length. They're about twelve dollars each, and you can watch any one of these or three of them. There's one that's called Ernie Builds a Dwarf, which is uh, I think it's about thirty eight minutes, and these are in HD by the way. Oh nice. They're brand new. Um, the next one is called Half Moon Road, the Ernie Adams story, which is the whole background story. That's about 55 minutes long. And there's one called Route 66, um, Arizona Fun Run. And that's Ernie cruising, on Route 66 in one of his cruisers. So, um, that one's about 24 minutes long. All those are about 12 bucks. They're on the, uh, on the site. I'm not selling them or anything like that, so don't get the wrong impression. But that's the only way you're going to really get to see Ernie build them outside of going to Maricopa and visiting Ernie and watching him build one, which... By the way, I don't think, looking at, I mean, looking at all the stuff I've seen about Ernie and and hearing everything about him, he's such a nice guy. Yeah, he seems pretty cool. He it, might just say, yeah, come on. He might say, step out to the barn and help me build, uh build this fender, or whatever.
3: Especially if you meet him at one of the local Waffle Houses. He <laughs> is like, did you read about that? I did, he yeah. He is famous at Waffle Houses throughout Arizona, as well as his dwarf car I is uh,
2: His favorite restaurant, right? And uh-huh. everybody knows him at all the Waffle Houses in Arizona. That's such a weird thing to be known for, but... Mm. You know, that's uh, that's just what he is. He's a, He's a simple guy. He's got simple pleasures, right?
0: You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required grow your business in slack visit slack.com
1: to get started if you use paper you're a human but if you choose paper you're a paper someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day seriously it's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water it's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging Always Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian.
4: Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you will always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading up, down, or steady. It can even alert you before you go too low or when you're too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see, like more time and range and lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com.
3: Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G Seven. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Oh, uh, what we can say, though, about the kind of things that you will see on his, the CDs of his fabrication construction process uh, is that at least in the case of the 39 Chevy, he starts with photographs of the full size that it already has. Mm-hmm. And he takes the measurements uh, from these photos and then he starts looking for donor cars, mm-hmm. uh, which still uh, I still love that mentality where he says, "Well, if I don't need to, um, I don't need to make something out of whole cloth because a lot of stuff that people might throw away nowadays in the modern age." Is still perfectly usable.
2: Yeah. Now, see, you said donor cars, but I think you meant donor items, maybe. Or did oh, it mean, donor items is yeah, probably better. Probably
3: because I still, yeah. you know, you know what I read,
2: Ben? I read that he can. He still. Uh, he's built six of these dwarf cruisers that we're going to talk about. He has. He has still used refrigerator doors for every single dashboard and every single car he's ever built because he loves the metal that is in a, in a refrigerator door. Mm-hmm. It's just for some reason he said it's the best metal. It, it bends the way you want it to. It stays where you put it. <laughs> it's the it's the perfect metal for him. So he says, you know, that one. I know when you when you said donor cars, maybe maybe an item or two comes from one, but he he adapts it in some way. He builds everything from scratch.
3: Now you know, including the molding. Well, yeah, when it comes to body, but you know that '39 Chevy has a drivetrain from a 1972 Toyota. Yeah, so he's got some unusual
2: drivetrains. Yeah, and you. Know, I mean, we'll talk about that also as we go through because there's oh, yeah. a few here that will surprise you. I think, um, mm-hmm. like the yeah, the Toyota drivetrains are surprising. All right, yeah. so we, we've talked a little bit about the 39 Chevy sedan. By the way, that one, a lot of people say it's, uh, in quotes here, a handsome car. A lot of people really like that one, and that was his first real attempt at a what we call a masterpiece, or what he calls a masterpiece. Yeah. Kind of the, the most complete finished version of a dwarf car you can imagine, really.
3: weighs much more than the Grandpa 2. The Grandpa Dwarf, that 28 Chevy, uh, was 900 pounds, and this one is 1770.
2: I mean, as far as complexity goes, the 39 Chevy sedan, it looks like, it looks, if you, if somebody wasn't standing next to it, you wouldn't realize that that's a dwarf car. Absolutely. The, uh, the 28 Grandpa Dwarf, although it looks correct, it has more of the look of, let's say, one of those cars that you would find, like, on the, on the kid tracks at, uh, Your Point or something. You right, know, the, the yeah. kind that kids can get in and drive on the rail, that, mm-hmm. that type of car, mm-hmm.
3: has that appearance, and maybe it's just because of the style of vehicle it is. Well, but you can, like, you can see some cool stuff where he has. I think it's the thirty nine, right? Though so, aren't there photos of the thirty nine, the full scale, and the dwarf together? There are. Yes, yeah. those are
2: great photos, by the way. I mean, when mm-hmm. him standing there, and that gives you a true scale of what's going on, because the thirty nine sedan's pretty big. Yeah, uh, the Chevy sedan, rather. But um, when he's standing next to them, that's when you get a true appreciation for the scale of these things, how small they are, because these are these are waist high cars, Ben. They're like they're they're maybe forty five inches tall at the most. Uh, yeah. so, so it's, they're remarkably small, remarkably well done, remarkably detailed. Mm-hmm. And the next one that he built was a 42 Ford convertible. So he took on a convertible project, which is amazing mm-hmm. to, you know, I mean, of course, how hard is it for this guy to build a convertible system <laughs> for a car when he's building a full car, really? Mm-hmm. Um, now he was, uh, I guess inspired or prompted by others to keep building these cruisers. Once he built the 39 Chevy, they said, well, clearly you're really good at this. You've got yeah. amazing skills keep going with this as long as you can. So he decided to build this 42 Ford convertible, and it's 46 inches high. Mm. It's uh baby blue. I think it goes by the name of Gem, I think, is that the mm. one he calls it. Uh, huge hit. People love that car. Then he went on to build a car that, I'll tell you, Ben, this is my least favorite of all of them, I think. Oh, okay. The uh, the uh 1929 Ford Hillbilly car. The
3: Hillbilly Dwarf.
2: Now, uh. just to give you an idea, now, he takes years, like two and a half, three years to build the other cars. Right. He built this one in something like three months. Mm-hmm. Now... I mean I know he, he he must love it. I mean that's the way he that's why he did it. But they say that you have to see it to believe it because it was inspired by a car that he saw at a show in Casa Grande, Arizona. Uh again it took 3 months to build. That yeah. required several antiques to complete the build. So he's taking antiques of other kinds like milk jugs and mm-hmm. um looks like he's got old birdhouses and stuff like that attached to it. It's uh I don't know, it's
3: kind of like the Beverly Hillbillies type car, right. sort of. It is. It is similar. And a lot of that uh according to, and this is from one of his proper websites, when he was in Casa Grande, he met a guy named Zeke who already had two Hillbilly Model As. Mm-hmm. So I think he kind of he he kind of became infatuated with the aesthetic of this. And I, I don't think you're off base at all to call it kind of a Beverly Hillbilly's car because that's sort of what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's still got a uh, two-cylinder Onan motor um, and... Or it did originally, right? Yeah, they switched
2: it over to a big four-cylinder.
3: Yeah, now, yeah, yeah, with uh, a whopping thirteen horsepower.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right from a, an American Austin. So mm. they did swap that one. So he does a lot of motor swapping and things like that. I think he right. he might refine these a little bit as we go. Like remember from the hard rubber tires to the pneumatic tires and yeah. you know, stuff like that. But um if you
3: have three had, different horns, I
2: would guess. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good example, Ben. They're probably all mounted to the uh, to the to the hood somewhere. Oh, right? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so you like this one?
3: Um, I, I like it. I don't think if I had to pick one, uh, this would not be the one that I picked as my favorite. It's more of a, to me, um, to be absolutely candid, especially in comparison to some of the other ones, this is, this is a little bit more art than it is car.
2: That's kind of the way I felt as well. Because it's just, I mean, if you look at it, and you do have to see it to believe it. I mean, it's uh, it's it's on the uh, art car type of uh, type of vehicle line, I guess. That, yeah. You know, there's just stuff welded to it all over the place. Like I mentioned, milk cans and birdhouses, and I don't know, horns that you mentioned. It has and, a
3: stove. It has a heating stove. Yeah. In the just, back seat.
2: Uh, suitcase for a trunk, of course. You know, yeah. things like that. There's just a lot of uh, rust and clutter on this car. And I know that's the style, this hillbilly car style. I guess it's kind of like. Um, you know, there's the rat rod style. There's the, there's the, uh, the classic rod style. There's the hillbilly style, I guess. I don't know. I've,
3: this car, uh, this car would look, um, this car would look just as, just as normal in, um, in, you know, 1930s or 40s Appalachia as it would at Burning Man today. Um, it has a moonshine still on it, which I, I, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not a police officer or a lawyer myself. I don't know how that, how that interacts with open container laws. That's an authentic moonshine stuff. Yeah, so
2: it's, yeah, it's, uh, it, I don't know if it truly works or not, but apparently at one time it did. All right. So let's, let's move on okay. from the, from yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah. 1929 Ford Hillbilly car. Ah, And, big, uh, this is a big one. I think this is a big one. This is the, uh, the one that seems to get all the press. And maybe that's just because this is when all the, uh, all the, uh, the, uh, focus was on Ernie, I guess, when mm-hmm. uh Vimeo went out and did their little video shoot, and when and, and which was really really cool by it the way. It is beautiful, and that's the one that's on our blog site. Mm-hmm. Um Also, you know, when he was showing up to different cruising events and things like that, this this is the vehicle he's driving. It was the 1949 Mercury Dwarf, mm-hmm. and this is probably I don't know. This is my favorite car of the whole bunch. I think.
3: I thought you might say that. I and think it is. It's modeled. uh well, the 49 Mercury, of course, you'll recognize that design from Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. Uh, so Ernie had really enjoyed this vehicle, story goes, uh, for decades. He he loved this because he especially loved its uh, grill, the unique three-piece window, and uh, he thought the 49 was much better looking than the 50 or 51 Mercury.
2: Mm-hmm. And this one is authentic. I mean, it has uh, the lake pipes. It has, mm-hmm. you know, the great big sun visor that goes over the top. Mm-hmm. It's been nosed and decked, which uh, means it's just taken the trim off of the nose and the back end. Right. Um. Right. So, you know, a few hot rod elements. It's been lowered, apparently. It looks really low. Yeah. Uh, I think he's it up to 100 miles per hour before. That's the top speed of this thing. Now, it took him five years, Ben. It took him five years to build this car. So mm-hmm. this is by far to date, as far as I know. Uh, this is the, the longest build for the 1949 Mercury, and I think it shows in all the details. I mean, it's, uh, it's obviously running and driving still. Right. Um, he's taking it to cruise events. He goes around all over the place and, and gets a huge crowd gathering when he, when he takes it to anywhere. It's called the Rebel Rouser. Yeah, the Rebel Rouser, which is a cool mm-hmm. name. Um, of course, you know, from the James Dean movie, the, the Devil Without a Cause. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Rebel Without a Cause. Mm-hmm. Did I say Devil Without a Cause? That's it's a, a, devil without a cause. that's a Kid Rock album. Is it really? Yeah, sure. <laughs> all right. So, anyways, little slip there. But um, so, anyways, the uh, Rebel Without a Cause movie mm-hmm. um, started the build in September of two thousand four. Went all the way through two thousand nine when he he did, finished it. Now it's it's as he says, it's solid as the original would be. It's a very very sturdy car. Uh, turquoise paint has flamethrowers on it as well. So yeah. he's got a lot of a lot of um. You know what he says? He says flamethrowers somewhere. I read flamethrowers somewhere. Mm-hmm. I've also seen that it has flames painted on the hood. I wonder if that's being confused somewhere, because flamethrower exhaust is something completely different. Right, yeah. And I wonder. I wonder if somebody
3: confused the flames on the hood with flamethrower exhaust. That's an case. easy mistake to make, but I, uh, I would much, much prefer the flamethrower exhaust. Oh, so would I, I think. So <laughs> that's such a
2: cool thing. So, And that's not his last car that he's built, though, and nope. this is only to date. Um, just after that, I guess he worked on a 34 Ford sedan.
3: Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Two door, and a lot of people will associate this with, uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have the famous death car, which I believe we've talked about in an earlier episode. Yeah, I think we have. Um, so of course, you know, they, uh, Bonnie and Clyde met their end in a 1934 Ford sedan, uh, just Riddled with bullet holes, look like Swiss cheese at yeah. the end. Yeah,
2: and this one doesn't have the big V eight in it. Obviously, there's just right. not enough room for it. It right. has another unusual drivetrain. It has the Toyota four ke uh, engine with with a five speed transmission. And you may think that sounds funny, but the way he he uh, ports this thing and exhausts it and everything, mm-hmm. it's not going to sound like a Toyota when it when it's finished. It's going to sound like a thirty four Ford sedan when mm-hmm. he's done. I mean, like the uh, the forty nine Mercury. Has, even though it has a Toyota engine, it's got the lake pipes and it's probably not muffled in any way. Right, it sounds like a 49 Mercury when it when it fires up or it's similar. Anyways, it doesn't have you know what you would think of like a I guess a compact car sound or anything like
3: no, that. No, no, it sounds like it's swinging above its weight class.
2: It really does. It's uh, definitely a good sound. So don't worry about don't if you're worried about the Toyota engine in this thing. Other than you know um, I guess historical accuracy,
3: which you mm-hmm. just can't do in something this small. Um it really it shouldn't be of a concern. Yeah. And I want to go ahead and add that uh to date there was not this was by no means meant to be his last vehicle.
2: No, no, no. This just means
3: that you know this the last is, one completed.
2: Yeah, the last one completed. The last one you can go to the museum and see, and who knows what he's working on right now in his garage. I mean surely it's, something. I hope he is. I really do. I hope he is still. Um but it's it's a bare steel body, which I love, Ben, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's got light rust on it, which is intended to give the car kind of a... Uh like a barn fine feel. It's not completely rusted, just real light rust. And of course, being in the Southwest, he's got the advantage there. He, yeah. He can maintain it exactly how he wants it's it. It's so dry. Exactly. And, um, you know, of course, the rustic appearance I mentioned, but suicide doors, it's got a louvered hood. Mm-hmm. It's got that long slanted grill. You know, it's all chrome, of course. Beautiful front end. Mm-hmm. Uh, roll up windows, as all of his cars have. Um, hand crank roll out windshield, like the old, uh, Ford's had. Mm-hmm. Um, really interesting hood ornament, too. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's, uh, something that he did he craft that himself? Did he? Or did uh, he find a, it? I think he found it. It's
3: mm-hmm. a 1935 Auburn Flying Lady. Oh,
2: okay. Well, then he found it. Yeah, yeah. that's a, so. That's a found part. Um, man, and you know the way this one came about, is I guess he saw somebody with a 34 Ford sedan that matched this one mm-hmm. at a show, and Ernie walked up to the guy, and it was in this condition, like you would see this one, mm-hmm. and he said. I really hope you don't finish this car, meaning that, you know, I hope you don't put any kind of like glossy paint on it, make it a hot rod or whatever. And the guy said it's finished. And he said, well, it's beautiful the way it is. You know, just leave it the way it is. It's beautiful. And that's when he went to work on this 34 Ford sedan of his own. And he modeled it right after that one that he found.
3: That's just so inspiring. I want to also point out uh, one thing that's important to remember is that as I, I believe we said this earlier, Scott, but just in case we haven't, all of these cars, are street legal. That's yeah. right. The hillbilly is street legal. Uh, you don't want to take him on the interstate. Well, he has, though. He
2: has, though, because the 49 Mercury, now he's driven that from Phoenix all the way to Fairmount,
3: Indiana. Well, yeah, the Mercury's fine. Yeah. Oh, the Mercury's fine. Sure. I mean the, I think the the Hillbilly tops oh, out at like 35 miles. I didn't mean to I didn't mean oh, to step no, no, on you was, with that one. I thought
2: yeah. I thought you were talking about all these cars because he does take them on the highways. Oh yeah, yeah, and they're fine on the highway, especially but, that Mercury. But the Hillbilly no way.
3: Yeah, the Hillbilly's just a little bit slow, but that's because it's supposed to be built on that older idea. You Understood. Know. Yeah. You're going to start losing parts like birdhouses and things.
2: <laughs> yeah. So he's got, as a matter of fact, that 49 Mercury has something like 30,000 miles on the odometer at this point. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's running and driving these things every chance he gets. He takes them to car shows. He, you know, he goes to cruising events. He, he cruises them on Route 66 when he can. Yeah. He's even, you know, made these, you know, cross state tours, as I mentioned, you know, from Phoenix to Fairmont for, I think it was something called the James Dean run that he attended, of course, with that car. Um, and, you know, you can ask him about, you know, buying these cars. If you're at the museum, you can say because a lot of people offer large sums oh, of money sure, for them because yeah. he's got all of them on display at this museum in Maricopa. You can go see them anytime you want, and you can go to the museum website, which I think was just dwarfcarmuseum.com. I think mm-hmm. um, it's off the top of my head. I yeah, no, you're I right,
3: dwarfcarmuseum.com.
2: Okay, and then there's also dwarfcarpromotions.com, mm-hmm. and that's uh, got a lot of background information on Ernie and the photos and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't, you can't buy the cars. He will not sell them. He says he's way too proud of them to ever get rid of them. He loves them. Yeah. Uh, but you can buy some dwarf car merchandise when you're there. So you can buy things like shirts and window stickers and DVDs and they even have trading cards, Ben. Like, cool. uh, yeah. dwarf car cruiser trading cards. So that's kind of cool. Um, and the funny thing is that if you go, this is such kind of a small town thing, really. You know, he's, he's, I guess in this really little town there and so accessible that his email's right online. Mm-hmm. His phone number is right online. You can contact Ernie and talk to him if you want to. And I'll let you dig up that information. I'm not going to give it here. Right. Yeah. But, you know, you can, you can find ways to contact Ernie and you can go out there and make a trip and, you know, see him and talk to him and, and kind of pal up with him, I guess, for a little while and see what's going
3: on. Maybe he'll give you a ride in one. Who knows? What I think this is. I, an amazing person. Yeah. This I, is really cool.
2: I can't guarantee a ride in that or anything like no, that. No, no, no. Car um, stuff
3: does not legally guarantee <laughs> rides with any living legends. No, that's true. But uh, but he is
2: definitely what I would call a living legend because he has got you know I, before I said he's a simple man with simple pleasures, right? With the uh, the whole Waffle House thing, right? Right. This guy is unbelievably skilled, Ben. When you see what he does, when you see what yeah. he he makes out of really nothing, out yeah. of other people's scrap, uh, this guy is. Uh, Far, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else. As far as I'm concerned, with with fabrication and mm-hmm. uh, just
3: the way he builds things is so amazing. Like he has a vision, and he makes it all happen. Yeah, definitely, definitely a master in my book. Uh, so I guess that's all I have on uh, Ernie Adams. Other than uh, go see him if you're in the area. Go check out this museum.
2: Yeah, and I hope this is a story that continues. I hope that you know, past that uh, 34 Ford that you know he just put together. I hope that uh, you know, we see. Another five, six cars come out of Ernie. I mean, he's oh, an older wow. guy. And these take these take like five years to build, three years to build, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. So, you know, th- it's kind of limited in the number that he can produce. But I hope he continues to build, you know, right up to the point where he can't do it anymore.
3: Mm-hmm. And I hope that uh, somebody, I, I know for a fact that he's inspired other people to build their own dwarf cars mm-hmm. as well. So uh, that's how you know that you're really leaving a legacy. Uh, let's see, before we head out here, Scott, do you want to do a little listener mail? I'd love to do that. So, Tracy B. writes to us and says, Hello, Scott and Ben. I heard you say recently that a Hemi episode was on the way, I wanted to make sure the Ford Boss 429 wasn't overlooked. I'm guessing Chrysler is such a lock on the name Hemi now that they'll probably make me pay for each time I type it. However, there was a time Ford was in the game, too. Hate to see Ford Motor Company go unmentioned. As for the folks that thought Preston Tucker got too much airtime versus Henry Ford, wah, Ford may have been around first, but Tucker had more story. I loved it. Tracy. P.S. mid gas is still a ripoff, says Tracy B. And you probably agree. You know what? I Oh, man, I might get skewered for this one. Uh, I agree, but I use it in the Monte Carlo. Oh, no, Ben, I because uh, yeah. I agree yep. it's a ripoff as well. Oh, I yeah. No. Uh, it's it's a superstition at this point, but I just use it. Okay. All right. Well I'll let you continue okay, spending okay. extra
2: money at the pump every time you go if you want
3: to. Uh okay, here's the worst part. If I'm if I'm low on money trying to cut corners financially, then I do put just regular in there. So I know that it is I I know, okay, I get it. Spending I know it's your a good car recall.
2: your car is rated for regular gas. It's not rated for premium. If you're if you're rated for premium and you're putting mid grade in I would understand that you're cutting corners, but this is just spending extra money you don't have to. If it's rated for regular, put in
3: regular. What cost can you put on peace of mind? <laughs> okay, good point. I, guess. I, but, I mean, that's such oh, a that's such such a question. I, Dodge. I, I don't know. No, it is. I. You know what? I. I know the arguments. Um, I will say we've. You've probably heard this story before. This is just an interesting one. Um, Way back in, um, when my parents were kids in Tennessee, um, one of the, uh, one of, one of the only gas stations up on the mountain had those, had those three pumps. So you could get your regular, you get your, I think they didn't have mid grade. I think they had regular, premium, and diesel, right? Okay. So, uh, the shop closes down. And there's a fire, you know, years after it's closed. And so people, like the firefighters come, the building's destroyed. And so that sort of spurs development and they break in, they start breaking ground to build something else there, and they find that the premium and the regular came from the same tank.
2: No kidding. No there difference. Was, that there, guy
3: was ripping people off for decades. There was no
2: separate tank for mixing or anything. None of it. It Nothing. was just
3: one tank so that you paid extra for on that side. No, so there was a diesel tank. So there's it's, diesel, and, and then that's there's
2: regular gas, and he's getting two different types of... of gas out of that one gas
3: tank oh no it was the same gas man he was just ripping people well, that's off that's what i mean Yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> somehow
2: somehow changing the uh well and whatever magic tank. i get it so thank you tracy for that and yeah. uh, i i agree preston had a lot of story henry ford also had a lot of story oh yeah and we should talk about the uh the boss 429
3: we should. I think that's a really good point, and one wanted to get that on the air before our HEMI episode, which will surely be world famous. Yeah,
2: whenever we get around to it, because uh, that's on a long, long list of <laughs> listener suggestions. So it's there. We're working on it. We'll get to it, I promise, because uh, the HEMI story is a good story as well.
3: Yes, and if you would like to learn more about uh, Ernie and the dwarf car phenomenon, go ahead and visit carstuffshow.com where you can check out our blog on this. You can even see a few videos that you and I made back in the day, Scott. And you can listen to all of our podcasts and if you want to suggest an upcoming topic for us, here's what you do. Just hop on your computer and uh, send us an email directly. Our address is carstuff at discovery.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com.
3: Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility.
0: You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack.